0: Gonna Love You Like A Black Widow Baby Gonna Love You Like A Black Widow Baby Aww. That is a misheard lyric from Iggy Azalea's Black Widow From 2014, ooh, current The correct line should be Gonna Love You Like A Black Widow That's W-I-D-O-W Baby So instead of loving you like a little baby She's gonna love you like a spider Mm -hmm. If you have a mistaken or misheard lyric Mondegreens as they're known Please send it in At VCV Podcast On Twitter and Facebook We'll read it out Please also subscribe and rate us on iTunes It really helps us out But I welcome you to today's show I welcome all listeners New and old Newborn babies to old, old men And women I welcome all Welcome to Verse Chorus Verse, the songwriter's podcast. A conversation about ideas, process and songs. I'm your host today and always, Jack James. Thank you for listening to this episode, episode number five. Today my guest is Alex Nielsen, drummer, vocalist and songwriter for the band Trembling Bells, who are tagged in Bandcamp as hashtag experimental, hashtag folkrock, hashtag psychedelic and of course hashtag Glasgow it's really the Glasgow part I hear most in their sound it's kind of like hashtag New York and Woody Allen's Manhattan
1: because
0: hmm. films have hashtags right Alex and indeed the Trembling Bells are known for their many collaborations with such artists as well Oldham aka Bonnie Prince Billy as well as previous guest of this show Richard Young's well now it's his turn Alex welcome to the show it's very nice
2: to be here. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Are you an Iggy Azalea fan at all? Uh, I don't really know her music. I have seen a face. Is she Australian or, or something?
0: I actually I don't, know. don't know. That's a good question. Uh, but I just pictured you being very confused by
2: that introduction. I, I really like that line. I, what is it? I, Black Widow Baby. Yeah, I thought that was a really good lyric. Hmm. I'm going to love you like a Black Widow Baby.
0: Yeah. So, I always start interviews with... The highest quality question, the least cliched, the most underused question, which is of course, what comes first, music or lyrics, and is it drums in your case?
2: Um, well, I don't know. Um, I usually, I'll be writing quite constantly in my notebook and uh, kind of uh, magpieing ideas, you know, that I hear as I'm um, mooning around. The place and uh, yeah, and then I will they'll be kind of magnetized to a tune after a certain point. Or I, I, it's difficult to say. So mm. sometimes the lyrics come first.
0: It is kind of a joke question. There's no answer to that. Okay. So when you do get those ideas, then are you like recording little melodies on your iPhone and stuff like that? Is that so that's, usually that's pretty how much
2: exactly it. Yeah. So I've got um, like countless miscellaneous kind of mm. in my in my uh iphone which are only kind of discernible by me (laughs) warbling number three yeah like real kind of captain Beefheart uh free association kind of things like uh i don't know like cartwheeling dice they'll they'll have these weird associations like i don't know it'll be like a cross between a a specific sea shanty and then like a kendrick lamar song or something as i imagine it so that's i'll name it something like that
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's just blowing my mind trying to think of 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 that um, with your band, are you mostly developing songs yourself and then bringing them to your band or how early yeah, do you get involved that, in that?
2: Their- that's mainly... It. it usually goes through several processes of uh, filtration kind of throughout the band and not only filtration, but uh, obstacles where usually uh, Lavinia who's the, the singer in the band and incredibly musically gifted she can kind of sight read and, and process kind of like musical ideas like like anybody can you know converse and like read English which to has me, she been musically trained yeah within an inch of her life uh, <laughs> sometimes think of her as almost like the midwife to the ideas that I have sometimes that, that kind of bring them out of the hermetic vessel of my skull into, so you have to try and explain world. things to her in order exactly. for her to
0: like interpret them. What sort of level of detail do you explain
2: to her then? Um, well, usually it might be quite broad at first, and then we'll, you know when she's kind of acclimatizing herself to the tune, which usually happens quite quickly because we've worked together like this quite a lot. Um, then we can kind of finesse it. And, but also because we have worked together quite a lot and because we understand each other like quite intuitively i have learned to kind of trust her quite a lot more to and, and the rest of the band kind of gradually to uh, impose some of their own ideas on it so I, I i'm kind of less specific and precious about the tune like i i, I won't i won't try and develop it to the nth degree where, whereas I, I think i used to be a bit more controlling uh, over the process but now i like to turn the ideas over to Allow the others to have more of an input. Were
0: you previously then dictating all oh, the guitar parts? You'd be like this. No, you're no, that's not quite Pretty right. Much. And then the, <laughs> the bass part. So you're writing all those. Yeah, and kind parts. of
2: authorizing it maybe like in my in my head. But yeah, it, it used to be much more like that. But as much as anything, aside from the fact that the people in the band are incredibly gifted uh, musicians. With a lot of good ideas, um, I think that me being quite so controlling, like, kind of encouraged a climate of fear in their <laughs> rehearsal rooms. So everyone would be kind of scared to make a mistake. And, it, and well, you
0: mentioned Captain Beefheart earlier. Yeah. This sounds exactly <laughs> like uh, his process for Trout Mask Replica. I don't yeah, know if you, like a are familiar pop. with that, I
2: am. Yeah. Did I, you I mean, lock
0: your band members into barrels and? Uh, I hadn't
2: heard that one. Yeah, oh, that's, into barrels. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> in, into barrels and just a culture of fear. Yeah. So well, I'm a, great, I'm a great admirer of Captain Beefheart. I have to say. Um, I, I guess I like him. I, I like a lot of just kind of like Maverick uh, imaginations, kind of like him or Sun Ra or Duke Ellington or Brian Wilson, or, you know, these kind of band leaders that, that things were kind of filtered through the, the distorted lens of their kind of personal vision, you know, without without consciously thinking that's why I like these people. I, I think it probably is. Yeah, that can be interesting to just hear that
0: one creative person's uh, ideas just brought to life by an ensemble
2: rather than having a yeah. mixture of ideas. Yeah, perhaps, yeah. <laughs> uh, certainly when I was in my teens, I, I gravitated towards these people, um, these kind of monomaniacal kind of uh, mavericks. So you're a
0: drummer by trade, but... Mm-hmm. What other instruments can you play then, or do you
2: not? Well, really nothing play really. Stuff? Um, yeah, I can't. Unfortunately, I mean, I used to try and pick up, like, I don't know, kind of like uh, xylophony style instruments, kind of, and the piano. You know, tried. I used to work in this art house cinema when I was living back in Leeds uh, before I went to university, and I'd kind of jam mm. on that piano. But I, certainly, nothing really comes natural naturally to me. I, I'm a great kind of uh, have like a, an omnivorous appreciation of music, and. I, by osmosis, I'll kind of absorb quite a lot of it, and I think from a very early age, I was really kind of well listened because my elder brother listened to like a lot of really kind of wide ranging stuff. But I can't really play an instrument apart from the drums. Do you feel that knowledge
0: of music gave you then a vocabulary in order to explain things like that to your band? I mean, a just bit, on yeah. also in a practical level, just how would you? I can imagine someone coming up with melodic ideas and saying okay the part goes like this and teaching them but in terms
2: of chord progressions and things that's pretty much down to their ingenuity uh, to interpret kind of what i'm saying and sometimes uh, they'll go oh it'd be nice if this went to a minor chord here or whatever as i was saying before i'd be like no it has to go like this this is the way that i've you know kind of conceived it and no minor chords Yeah But now yeah I mean, I'm, I'm much more ha- happy To give people More of a kind of Personal investment In the in the songs and, and Take it into directions That I wouldn't have Ever thought of At what sort of stage Did that More collaborative process Start happening Was that just recently With like the last album Or Yeah I think probably so Yeah So it took about A good four albums Before I started to Kind of uh, Loosen my Tyrannical grip <laughs>
0: <laughs> So You're coming up with your ideas, you've got your phone recordings of warbling and things and you're teaching the band the the different parts or you're trying to come together and play what's in your head. How long does that process take? Or do you have like, like really regular practice sessions in order to work up?
2: All all those Uh, ideas? I I, I try to. Yeah, I try to have at least one rehearsal a week. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty relentless, is is another thing where I I, I push myself constantly to work on ideas, kind of at least in my own head. And then um, I guess. Do you write
0: all the time then?
2: Pretty much. much, yeah. It's more of like a constant kind of. I put myself under pressure to keep thinking about it and keep writing it and keep trying to develop. Uh, the musical side of things. And do you as ever well
0: get them, writer's block or feel like the well's running dry sometimes?
2: I, I did earlier uh, in the year, which was probably the first time, but that was more, uh, I'd, I'd kind of done a solo album that I'd written very quickly in response to our, the last Trembling Bells album because I, I was kind of unhappy about certain aspects of the way that that had been executed. And so I wanted to try and do something very quickly that was, very much not like what I'd just been doing. So it's, it was under the auspices of like a solo album. People that, that, who were very close to me that I kind of confide a lot in and kind of invest in their feedback, I guess they were kind of critical of it and then that kind of knocked my confidence for the they first time. They were critical time, really. of the
0: Trembling Bells album? You no, mean, my, my solo album. Solo
2: um, so in yeah. I think it was, there was just like too much of me on it and it wasn't adulterated enough by the other participants because I, I think I was singing all, all the songs for example and I'm not like really a, I don't really claim to be a singer of any real worth I guess when uh, my ideas are kind of adulterated by the rest of the Trembling Bells for example it, it takes on a different personality and uh, that's probably for the benefit
0: So when you're demoing things for Trembling Bells then how does that process work?
2: Well, it'll mainly be like a, a, an, an iPhone recording, like the one that uh, I sent you that I think we're going to listen to later. It'll mainly be me trying to kind of explain the song to Lavinia. And then when she's kind of comprehended it to a large extent, she will we'll have a second rehearsal where we'll bring in the rest of the band and then try And then she will pretty much disseminate the kind of information about the song to them. And it'll take maybe in an hour to get the shape of it. And then we just kind of, develop it from there, really.
0: I know you're a big fan of, like, improvisation and, uh, like, free playing and things. How, how much does that get involved, especially, like, demoing and just recording an mm, it
2: album? Doesn't, it doesn't really. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't really uh, think that the rest of the people in the band are very adept at improvising or, or very interested in it. They just don't really seem to, to like it. And their, their kind of uh, sensibilities don't yeah just don't uh, move in that way i mean they're, they're much more inclined to figure something out which is which is fine and like i guess i've i've, I've that's
0: probably more understandable for this project as well if it's folk music and folk songs um, yeah to yeah you don't have a large improvisational element to them
2: yeah i, I i'm always reminded of uh, uh, something that a guy in glasgow john Hogarty, said about uh that where he said, um, I don't mind improvising as long as I don't have to make it up as I go along. And I think I think there's an element of that with those guys. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so that,
0: that's like an itch that gets scratched by your other projects. Yeah, then.
2: and uh, yeah, um, and my desire to, to kind of make and, and kind of uh, imbibe music like that isn't quite as strong personally as it used to be. But yeah, I, I, it, it certainly does mean a lot to me. I, I think that it infects like, the way that I play, quite a lot. I, I just like things to be kind of loose and messy and uh, full-blooded and I guess I try and retain that kind of aesthetic while I'm drumming no matter what I'm doing really.
0: Yeah, I think that definitely comes across in Trembling Bells at least that sort of loose feel, if mm-hmm. if not that large like improvisation element it definitely does have that uh, feel to it. So you guys have worked up demos that's, that's taken time everyone's learned what their parts are. Where do you guys record now? Do you use home record or do you use go in a studio?
2: Well, we've been recording a lot recently. Um, we have this great engineer called Luigi Pasquini, who made our last album, and we've worked with quite a lot. and He's becoming like fast emerging as like the go to guy around the Glasgow music scene because he's incredibly hard-working, really good at what he does, and he's really kind of cheap. <laughs> to use if that's uh, I wasn't quite sure how to put that but um, no. but I guess he's very generous with his time basically and very he's just very very keen Has he got his own studio? He, he has a mobile setup, and then we were recording earlier this week in Bankery which is Bell and Sebastian's rehearsal room come studio in Finiston and we were also recording in Straven uh, which is in Ayrshire I think about an hour away from here so he, he has a kind of a mobile rig.
0: So um, how long does that process take then?
2: Well I, I quite like to record very quickly because um, I don't know like I tend to generate ideas quickly and I I, I don't like to labor things too much I mean I mean the, the whole recording process is very kind of mentally and emotionally draining so I I guess I quite like to work quickly and get ideas down bef- when they're still at uh, a state of kind of potency when they're, they're not completely uh, you know, all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed when, you know, there's still a kind of sense of freshness, the joy of discovery about it. So yeah, I guess I try try and do that. But again, temperamentally, that's not really suitable for everybody in the band. Um, mm. And yeah, pe- people, it, there's, there's always a bit of a dance of kind of negotiation that has to go on a little bit. Yeah. I think so many hours that I'm,
0: I'm of that opinion as well. There's something better about those takes that are closer to the first takes. hmm. And a lot of times perceived mistakes can come become great parts of the song. But are there members of the band who are like, uh, i fluffed that note, give me another take. Yeah, too. exactly.
2: Yeah. Where whereas that kind of thing doesn't matter to me quite so much. Like I'm never really focused on the drums and, and for example, like my own part and thinking, like, yeah, I nailed that every time you know, every, every part of that's good therefore you know we we have to use that one or we can't use that take because i fluffed the drums i mean i i I just don't really care about what i'm doing so much i've got enough kind of confidence in what i'm doing to know that it was it's going to be okay and as you say like the i'm a great believer in the kind of blemishes and the imperfections adding kind of personality to the music and the, the kind of music that i cherish very dearly is where there are mistakes in there or there are kind of yeah big kind of plukes you know in the landscape of the songs and and yeah, that, I think that's what makes it kind of lovable, you know.
0: Yeah, I also think that's like a very honest way to record when you're just like this is the snapshot of the band. This is what we sound like. Mhm. It's not just like perfection.
2: Yeah, uh, because music isn't like that. You know, you, you don't for example, I mean this is something that sometimes comes up where it's like, "Oh, is this speeding up?" And you know, I I, I don't really care if it's speeding up or not. I, I often think of it as like it's like having sex or something, you know. It, it's not it's not supposed to be the same all the way through or you know it's, it's like an emotional yeah negotiation and compromise and uh you know s- synergy and it, it sh- it's not really about measure measurable stroke by stroke perfection you know
0: yeah not every track should be going along with a click track at an
2: exact BBM. yeah absolutely yeah, that's kind of uh you know anathema to me
0: yeah like you're gonna have dynamic changes both in like volume and then also oh it's getting faster at the chorus like so many songs yeah uh, it kind of sh- to, it
2: should it should get faster or, or you know or hiccup or lag or you know kind of uh, break out at a certain point you know break out in acne <laughs> it's you know, it's, it's, you Those know it's, are the
0: blemishes we want to see yeah that seems to be then that you're recording as a band all at once as opposed to recording like a scratch track guitar to a click track first of all and building stuff Around that?
2: Yeah, I mean, we don't work like that. And and to a large extent, uh, I mean, I guess that's kind of what I was referring to obliquely when I said I uh, made the solo record, kind of as a response to because there, there, there were elements of that and that kind of kind of bummed me out at the time because it was made everything much more kind of time and labor intensive than I would have liked it to have been but uh, having said that like the response to our last album as it was like un- universally very pop, uh, very uh, encouraging and so maybe there's something to be said for spending more time over the parts and and you know and that that process might be more rewarding to other people you know the listeners or whatever than it and so when
0: you're when you're talking about labouring then, just what practically like who was recording first and, I
2: don't, you know who you are. But I, I I don't I don't really want to say too much about it and like uh, because it was quite traumatic for me at the time. Mm. <laughs> um, I, yeah I, I I I don't know. Well, for example, we brought in uh, another guitar player, Alistair Mitchell, into the band, and he we'd never really worked together before, so like in a recording situation. So um, there was just some cross wires about the methodology of what we were doing. And I I guess I I kind of expected everybody to kind of defer to my casting vote or whatever, that people ultimately had to kind of go along with what I said because I'd written the songs or whatever. And and it didn't really go like that. So Mm. I think there was kind of some passive-aggressive kind of tension, at least on my part, where I kind of quietly huffed that, you know why isn't this going more the way that I expect yeah, it to go? I'm Captain Beefheart. Yeah, <laughs> the I'm the captain. captain. Yeah, but again, I mean, I I would like to remain kind of open, and it's not like my way are the highways. highway. It's you know I, I would learn, try and keep keep my mind open and ears open, and think, okay, well, you know, this did work, so maybe next time we can do more of that. When you're recording, then you mentioned that engineer. Do you
0: have much? engineering knowledge yourself or about equipment or you a gear really. junkie
2: no no not at all i mean i just kind of hit things with hit surfaces with sticks you know i, I it's not there's not much more to it than that technical aspects of it is it's kind of like um, english uh, grammar or something you know, or, or or mathematics you know it's, it's just something that i don't really have any what what do you mean by that well, I guess the, the more technical aspects of music making, like uh, you know, notes in a chord or whatever, or chord progressions, or or you know, like an SM fifty eight or something, you know, whatever. Like, it's just something that I, my brain just kind of closes down, and I, you know, it's it's like technical things that I have no feel for or or motivation towards. You know, it's just it it might as well be like. Chinese arithmetic, you know, I, I just can't understand it. <laughs> Do you give much thought to sonically how records are sounding? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, but th- things like that, it's much more intuitive, really. Like you know, I, ca- I kind of know quite clearly what I want, and then I try and you know describe that as best as possible to other people. But again, it's a very it's very very beef hearty, and you know, it'll be. I want this to sound basically like someone dragging a big chain behind them, you know, in in drudgery for eternity <laughs> mm-hmm. know, I want I want this kind of like although in my mind it's very clear but yeah the way that I'll communicate that might not be very clear to anybody else apart from Lavinia I mean she she seems to get things very quickly because we've spent so much time together
0: yeah that's what I was about to say I think any when you've been spending that amount of time working
2: with someone you do develop a shorthand yeah exa- exactly and I imagine that's the same for you know, most collaborative people in all fairness the others uh it's become much more like that also it'll be like a figure in a gregorian chant or something and then like a guitar lick that happens for like one and a half seconds that love do on this b side or something you know and then it'll uh, can we do something that's kind of in between that and we've started to build a common vocabulary that is intelligible Mm. at least within our asylum (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's good to develop a shorthand like that. So it's also interesting to just hear you're obviously given fairly high-level descriptions. Like, yeah, it needs to sound like a chain dragging. Like, I think a lot of people do give instructions like that. I'm trying to... I remember an anecdote. I remember a musician talking about they were in a recording studio in Nashville and a group full of, like, really great session musicians. And the song was called, like... Mississippi blues or something like that. And they're all just playing it, all this uh, great music. And they they stopped and they're like, guys, has anyone actually been to Mississippi? Do you know what Mississippi feels like? Let's do another take. And then they they played it better. Mm -hmm. Um, That's just such a different level of note than you need to play that E minor on quarter notes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, Uh, I mean that's what you mean, just like a visualization of something that can you know enhance your relationship to what you're doing. It's more
0: a high level note rather than giving like technical like you don't Uh need technical knowledge or you're not saying the feel of that isn't good because you're slightly ahead of the beat. You just say things like you need to play looser, you need to be more laid Mm. back. Yeah, like I give that note a lot in my band. You just need to kind of relax into it a bit more. Yeah,
2: uh-huh.
0: And that shifts the style of playing, I think.
2: Yeah. Relax now. <laughs> <laughs> Why aren't you relaxed? <laughs> You're all in a
0: barrel. <laughs> um, so if you were to pick one out of writing, recording, and playing live, what would that be? What if would you, I get the most pleasure out of? If you could only do one of those the rest of your writing, life. Writing,
2: recording, or playing live. Um, my first instinct was to say writing... Um, but then, yeah, I mean, all, all of them have their, like, advantages. I mean, I, I love recording as, as well and, and playing live. So I play live, you know. You can only pick one. I played, I must have played thousands of, of concerts. And I, I God, God knows, I, I'd probably say writing, uh, I think. Hmm. Well, you
0: mentioned playing live. How did your collaboration with Will Oldham start?
2: I was recording with Alistair Roberts in uh, Aberdeenshire, I don't know, maybe 2003 or something, and Will Oldham was producing the album that we were working on, Like because I guess Ali and Will have a long-standing relationship and they're both on Drag City Records, yeah. And so I guess the connection was there, and then I was like a diehard uh, Will Oldham fan, and I guess I kind of slathered that idea on him maybe at some point during the recording and then i guess he liked my drumming and then invited me got my email from ali and then invited me to to work with him
0: what was that like working with him because i've heard things about uh how he deals with bandmates and just how he is as a person like i'll, I'll preface that by saying that like, i'm a massive hmm. uh bonnie prince billy fan and he's a huge influence on me mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Uh, it was all right you know <laughs> Uh, well, no, I mean, so definitely some of the most memorable and kind of life-affirming uh, experiences of my life have been, you know, in his company and making music with him and uh, travelling with him and learning by him and sycophantically laughing at his jokes. and.
0: Uh, yeah, that um, must be a lot of fun for someone who's like a hero of yours that you're suddenly... Yeah,
2: you know, I mean, it, was, it, was, it wasn't without its kind of bump, bumps in the road, but uh, but yeah, for sure. I mean, it was like an incredible uh, validation of, I don't know, like my, my attitudes towards music, for example, and because my drumming style is so kind of loose and intuitive and stoned. So yeah, just to have somebody whose music you'd kind of studied and learned from and took the lesson, absorbed the lessons of, you know, to a very large extent, uh, you know, say to you, I like what you're doing, come and play with me it was, yeah, Incredible, you know.
0: Did those two styles
2: mesh together quite
0: quickly then? I, I think so. Uh,
2: yeah, no, I, I think so. Very, very happily. Uh, I remember like our first rehearsals were like six, seven, eight hour rehearsals in Paris to, to start this tour. And yeah, I mean, I, I guess I've always kind of been pretty confident about my drumming because uh, I've worked very hard on it. And then, yeah, I mean, like the, those guys seemed like really happy instantly. But I, I knew that music like inside out because I'd listened to it. Kind of obsessively, so mm. the, the, he his style of music uh, had yeah had a massive impact upon my on playing. So he seems very uh, mercurial, kind of creatively. So he he often try to like reinvent the songs or turn it in ways that you're not strictly comfortable with at first. But then I guess it's always kind of challenging you to try different attitudes and different modes of playing. You know, which is uh, helps you grow as a as a person,
0: he does seem very mercurial. He, there is obviously a distance that he keeps between himself and the press, obviously, and he's got that this persona. But that you didn't feel that as a as a bandmate that there was a there was a distance. There was.
1: Uh, I mean, it's like definitely that.
2: like a, a complex person, and like yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily pretend to have a definite like an answer to that or, 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 or a definite kind of judgment of, of his character. Yeah, he, he's a fascinating character. And and I would just be
0: curious to see how much, what exactly is a persona and what, what actually just is him. Mm-hmm. Do you and then do the Trembling Bells think much about the persona or is that just you guys on stage?
2: I think it's a fascinating idea that I've never really fully comprehended because so, I mean I know that Will has spoken about that like his the cultivation of like an alternative to you know him as you know Will Oldham uh, like creating a kind of surrogate uh, personality mm. that um, character yeah and, and to me and I've spoken to other people about that and other people seem very conversant about that idea and to, to me it's it's really mysterious like I I, I don't understand I, I don't think I would have the confidence to be able to do that somehow. Although I watch a lot of films and I'm like fascinated by the me- the process of like acting and that kind of thing and the immersion and the submission of your personality into like another character. I mean I think is something that I, I could learn a lot by and I, I recognise certain kind of like pictures of of emotion in uh, certain actors that that I I acknowledge. Like oh I understand that kind of uh, the the trajectory of that feeling because like I recognise that in in my drumming for example or music making in general that the 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 kind of access to certain kind of pitches of emotion just just from watching videos and things like you guys
0: and I love the trembling bells but it seems like like you guys all live in a hippie commune together maybe uh-huh. or <laughs> some sort of cult that you'd suddenly get wrapped
2: up on and you go on these musical journeys and things? Uh-huh. Uh, I think, I mean, the band are kind of quite you know, quite hippie-ish, mm. <laughs> unfortunately. I, I don't consider myself to be a hippie, like, at all. My, you know, temperamentally or, or stylistically or whatever, right? I think I'm, I'm damned by association because the other guys are very into, you know, like the music and culture of the 1960s which I, I find, you know, slightly off-putting myself, but... Hmm. <laughs> what better do you find off-putting? Uh, I guess I, I find it to be a bit of a ghetto. Like, I think people, you know, don't really get over it, and, and it, it can be a bit of a, a, of a honey trap, because, I don't know, I mean, there's something very alluring about the, uh, I don't know, yeah, the, the kind of sense of experimentation in, in the 1960s uh, right across, you know, culture. and But... I guess well, one thing that I find really off-putting about it is that um, it it's become so codified into like a you know kind of a sense of fashion or or in generic terms in terms of music you know things can just sound 60s or whatever and I I find that quite narrow and quite limiting and I think that the things that I enjoy about it like like the sense of experimentation with with form and you know things trying things out for the first time or ever and expanding the possibilities i I don't find it experimental at all if because it's become so codified and so easily identifiable as a style i find it interesting to take influences um from that sort of thing but
0: you could definitely point to some other bands who are pretty much just like tribute or cover bands just doing that sort of thing like long hair 70s rock and then it's just that's not so interesting because then they're just kind of aping yeah. that rather than yeah it's I, yeah
2: exactly more I, I, yeah exactly. I mean, I, I'd be very wary of of just simply trying to ape something that happened, you know, 50 years ago. I mean, there there are aspects of it that I like, and I think you know, but the aspects of so many things that, that, that kind of filter into my kind of desire to create and that, that inspire me. So those aspects of 2016 that probably inspire you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I think that's just important to always keep your ears open and, and not think, oh, like, you know, this is, this is hip hop. I don't like hip hop. I only like this kind of thing. You know, I think that, that that's so uh, naive, you know, and, and I, I wouldn't like to fall prey to that. So, I guess there are things that, that I enjoy that the, the others find really cheesy you know that, that they think is you know bollocks and mm. offensive to them and then so but that kind of works both ways.
0: yeah that, that can make a bad an interest and everyone has a sort of give and take. that brings us actually neatly to a section of the show called "Under the Influence. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Nectar is sweet.
2: Who are the artists that have influenced you? Uh, just throughout the course of my life? Yeah. Uh, well, I guess Beefheart was a big one. I mean, certainly when, it, when I was a teenager, I was super into, like, 60s music, for example. So it would be, like, The Velvet Underground and uh, I was a massive fan of The Doors, for example, and, you know, stuff like that. And I guess th- these were gateway bands into other realms... Do you listen uh, much to The Doors
0: now? I went through a massive phase of listening to them and then just stopped. Yeah,
2: when you turned like 18 or something. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. I think it was like um,
0: 15, 16. I was still in high school.
2: Yeah, me too. But then I, I guess that, uh, you know, they literally were doors into other, you know, realms of experience. Like, I guess they introduced me to like William Blake for the first time or the the philosophy of Nietzsche or, you know, uh, the poetry of Arthur Rambo or whatever. And it was the first, you know, reading about what they were into... Uh, extended into all my, all kind of different chasms of inquiry. So uh, I'm, I'm appreciative of them, to them for that. And I, I always enjoy hearing them again. But I think the thing uh, that I'm always most impressed by is Robbie Krieger's guitar playing uh, when I, whenever I hear it mm. again. Um, Does liter- literature influence you as much as music? Oh yeah, for it for sure, you know, like I, I don't really listen to a great deal of music um, at home, but I watch a lot of films and read a lot, you know, I, I kind of just go through stages, my mind's quite obsessive, so I'll, I'll really kind of like plow into a certain kind of thing. I got really into uh, Bergman and uh, Powell and Pressburger um, and uh, Pasolini, I guess I was watching like quite a lot of films by them, and I, I think again, just like recognising something in what they were doing that, that I th- think like, God, that is like a high example of something that I, you know, try and create when I'm doing music, you know, when I'm trying to write or when I'm like trying to drum or when I'm trying to kind of coordinate an atmosphere. Mm. And you're like, well, these guys did it. So
0: <laughs> yeah. are there any examples you can think of where you have followed like a Bergman to like a certain song or something like that? Or does it not follow that directly?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's probably... I think it's probably very directly I will kind of be influenced by these things. I can't think off the top of my head of a specific example, but if I was to listen to, like, our last album, for example, or things I'm working on at the moment, then I could definitely deconstruct them and say, like, yeah, this is a direct reference to uh, The Seventh Seal or or something. Mm. (laughs) What song is The Seventh Seal song? A chess song um
0: that's th- that film right death clinches. yeah yeah
2: right. th- there'll be something i mean usually it's very uh like you know verbally and and conceptually and thematically like his films are philosophical and uh I'll, sometimes i'll just lift you know lines from the film and, and kind of twist them or i don't know there's something about bergman this kind of like corroded shimmering uh seascapes that he often has this kind of like infinitely like kind of dazzling kind of dancing like gray kind of seascapes and try and take that atmosphere yeah kind of yeah something that that kind of expands yeah like this kind of leaning towards infinity that he seems to constantly do within his films that that i try to dilate my own mind and and move, move towards these ideas um, I mean certainly for example like the last Trembling bells album I mean we we literally wore our uh, influences on the sleeve of the album where Lavinia did miniature kind of portraits of of the people who whose music or literature or drama or whatever had directly inspired mm. like quite quite a lot of the songs are investigations of my own kind of mental and emotional glitches it's, it's kind of like a playing out and a, an excavating of the, my, my, the troubles that I impose upon my own personality or, or that develop within my own personalities so, and I, I recognized a lot of that with uh Dennis Potter for example so yeah he, he was in there and then there was like blind Willie Johnson I you know I love uh, early blues and gospel music and uh, the poetry of Emily Dickinson I it was it was a big influence uh, Ovid he was like a massive uh, I was really into his book the metamorphosis and yeah like i first read uh, his book the, the erotic poems uh, which, which aren't necessarily very erotic but um i guess the was... poems <laughs> they're not really that poetic either. i mean the, the, <laughs> it's the a terrible the, title the, the, the very
0: long um, Was comedy an influence at all, or I'm obviously hinting towards your collaboration with Stuart Lee, which, (laughs) is that happening this year, or has already Uh, happened?
2: No, uh, I think it might happen next year. We're in in touch about it. I think it's just trying to find a time that we can uh, develop the actual nitty-gritty of it a bit more, and, like, play a space in in our diaries, because I I guess he's incredibly busy and has two young children and, you know, Mm. lives in London and things like that, so... I think the the idea is still uh, st- still hopefully going going ahead, but mm. m- maybe next year.
0: Were you a fan of his comedy? At all? I know he's a fan of this yeah. kind of style of music. So,
2: yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, from like the Lee and Herring days, and uh, yeah, I mean, it just seemed like really different to anything I've you know seen on TV. And I, I guess he introduced me to things like The Fall and stuff like that through being into his mm. his show. And yeah, I, I love his work for sure. How did you first um, get in touch then? Well, he he used to write reviews for the Sunday Times, and he expressed like uh, you know wrote really positive and generous reviews about our music. And then I can't quite remember how we first got in touch, but uh, it was mainly through through that really, just by him expressing like a you know very keen interest in what we were doing, which is unthinkable. And then he's such a music fan, uh, and. Kind of like me and probably the rest of the band, doesn't really necessarily discriminate between styles. So he'll, he'll be like really interested in traditional music and then really interested in avant garde music and things mm. like that and, you know. Punk and. Yeah, exactly. And he's just very interested in the world, it seems. You know. So have you got the idea for the. Is it an album with covers you are doing? I think the, the
0: initial idea is uh, traditional songs. So just you need to find some time where you can all get in a studio and. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's yeah. singing, I presume. Mm-hmm. Rather than doing stand-up comedy yeah. <laughs> sets over over music.
2: Yeah, that, that's the idea. I guess possibly like the Will Oldham collaboration, where it might be um, He's singing like in duet with our regular singer Lavinia. Or we haven't quite uh, nailed down the the way that it's going to be kind of formatted, but but yeah, the idea is that he'll sing. Moving on now to the next section of the show.
0: Mm. Under construction. So, the idea of this is to talk about an in progress idea. Yeah,
2: it's called, um, it's either called My Father Was a Collapsing Star or I Scratched My Way Out of the Womb Door.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's that was the subject of the last email you sent me, actually. Yeah. Um, which I was like, hmm, I wonder what this email is going to be about. <laughs>
2: uh, so at
0: what stage of the process is this song
2: in? Well, we haven't decided on the title. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, so the title's still kind of unconsolidated, and some of the lyrics I haven't quite uh, decided upon, and the version we're about to hear, the bass player isn't wasn't attending that uh, rehearsal, so it's... Sands bass and hmm.
0: bass isn't important
2: anyway. No, no one ever really <laughs> listens to the bass. All the bass players are now pissed off at
0: me. <laughs> Do you want to have a listen to a little bit of it? Then? Sure, sure. Is that banjo or just very twangy
2: electric guitar? I think it's there's two guitars and
1: an organ.
0: So how much rehearsal was done before you got to this
2: stage? I think this was pretty much the first rehearsal. Oh really?
1: Yeah.
2: So yeah, we probably played it three times and then recorded it or something. I'd assumed you would have practiced this a lot more. It does sound pretty polished already. Ah, cool, thanks. I think it's quite a simple idea.
0: Hmm. Probably. It seems to have a folk-song structure
1: <laughs>
0: You mentioned, I saw an the email there was like alternative lyrics In terms of just um, like an alternative end to a line sort of thing Oh yeah When you're saying the lyrics are incomplete is it, is it just that that oh I might swap um yeah what, what was it like there was one about uh, a king I uh, yeah. think or like a king's
2: castle a
0: king a co- a in a collapsing castle collapsing castle and there was an alternate version of that yeah um are those the only tweaks you have left to do to the lyrics or is it more a case of no nah, I'm going to rewrite like yeah swap i swap that I verse def- out
2: definitely the it's probably 90 95% 90% there and um Yeah, it'll be more like, uh, I can't decide between uh, a line, like a couple of lines, and I might uh, substitute something for something else, but that'll only become more apparent to me, for example, once we've recorded a version of it, and I can hear it, and I can see, like, I can impose more on on the song, like, to make it kind of uh, conceptually closer to how I think it should be Mm -hmm. or something, so... So that's more towards the music then than just the lyrics. Uh, yeah, musically, for example, this is like this in- extended kind of jam in the middle of it. and Yeah, this is less standard folk song. Yeah, but then I guess so some things will start to take on kind of characteristics. It'll start to follow its own kind of internal logic. And I will think, OK, so that, that's what this is. Maybe we could like, fine tune this bit to make it more... closer to my understanding of what it is like for example I don't know without wanting to be too little about it I guess we've gone into this spacey jam and if it's to be about my father was a collapsing star then that kind of could be some kind of sonic uh, like uh, take some of that infinity
0: we're discussing there there Yeah.
1: yeah maybe I mean
2: Every song has, yeah, its own kind of internal logic, which will become more apparent to me the more we do it. So, before the song's finished, I will try and like cultivate that, yeah, according to my understanding of how it should go. <laughs> Is there anything you can hear
0: now then that, oh yeah, it should be more like this? Yeah. So what's bothering you about it just now?
2: Well, I, I don't really like phase on guitar because it, it, to me it sounds too much like Hawkwind or something and like kind of hippie jam music. Uh, so I would probably want it to be more kind of, I don't know, I mean, just this is just signposting things in my own mind so I'd probably want it to be more kind of kraut rock and less hippie, <laughs> for, for example. Yeah. Um, or there are things about like the inflection of the vocals or something that I think works and that I will try and develop or things that are embarrassing and I will never do it again (laughs) (laughs) in terms of like rhythmically what
0: you're doing or melodically what you're doing
2: um yeah kind of both Uh, or or just the intonation of like some of the the phrasing or something like um
0: yeah so if you were to give us a percentage of
2: completeness as it stands Uh, I'd say it was about 60% um yeah. yeah. It sounds really nice. Thanks.
0: Yeah, it's like a kind of folky sea shanty with like a spacey sunra breakdown uh, in the middle. Like um, a, a space shanty? A space shanty, yeah. It's not, it's in the Sea of Space.
2: That's probably uh, good. Sea <laughs> of Tranquility. Yes.
0: One final section of the show before you perform a song for us: plugs. So why don't you all just grab your bag? I'm on board.
1: The answer, to enter will be off. Plug one, plug two, plug one,
0: plug two, plug one, plug two, plug one. In So Wife majestic so air. It's a new album that came out on the first of April on mm-hmm. Ten Angel Records, was it? Uh, yeah. Anything else to plug? Then do you have any live dates from May onwards?
2: Um, mm, probably. Uh, well, we we're on tour throughout June, uh, which is comes after May. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, that's going to be right at the time of the World Cup, though. And I'm like, I'm a, oh, sorry, the Euro- European Championships. And I, I'm a massive football fan, so mm. for some reason, I've uh, organised the tour directly when I'm going to want to be. <laughs> At home in a dark room drinking by myself. Where is,
0: where is it this year? I think it's in France. And where can people find you online?
2: Uh, well, we have a website, and then I guess we're on like social media and things like that. So, yeah, we, we have that. We also have a single coming out for Record Store Day, uh, which is covers by a great uh, English songwriter called Dan Haywood, who, whose work I like a lot. So, yeah, we covered two of his songs on a 7 inch. We've just commissioned our own beer, like a, a, a real ale. Um, I saw some music journalists posting that. So were you sending that along
0: with the promos for the new album? Um,
2: well, that was just a one-off to someone who had expressed interest ah, in it. So it was kind okay. of a, it was kind of a bribe. I th- uh, yeah, I thought that was like a
0: <laughs> genius PR
2: move that you started to do. And I was wondering how many beers you sent out. Uh, no, it was just that was just a one-off to uh, yeah a guy who yeah been very supportive of us, but also yeah. seemed to like beer.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it seemed to work. He was posting about it on Twitter. Ah, so. cool. And you mentioned the soul album. Will that be out Yeah, this I think that's year? due
2: out in um, April. or oh, sorry, April. Uh, September or so. Mm. Um, so, yeah, there's quite a lot going on, to be honest. Uh, I mean, I, I drum a lot with a lot of different people. And so, uh, yeah, there's a lot coming up. But you also do, have a free jazz night in yeah, Glasgow? Uh, yeah, I'm going to a meeting about that directly after this. Um, yeah, it's called Wildlife, and it's at the Poetry Club in Glasgow. Um, me and this other guy called Joel White. Uh, run that and that's quite a recent thing isn't it yeah fortunately the people at the poetry club my good friend jason mcphail was just wanting to kind of uh, institute a, a night of experimental music and mainly kind of free center around free jazz so he, he was asking me to do that for a long time but um because i travel a lot and i couldn't i didn't feel like i could commit to um something like regularly but uh, fortunately this guy joel white uh, has kind of come on board and we're working together and he's very enterprising and probably better connected to the kids around Glasgow than I am. Um, but I probably have more the kind jazz of jazz kids. Yeah, but I probably have more kind of international connections through, you know, having played music live for for a decade. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's a good kind of combination. Uh, and so one ju- night is that on? Well, it's not a regular night. The the next one we're um, looking towards is joining GI, which is uh, the back end of April. But I guess it's not. Futuristic enough to be included in that. It was in the past. You just missed it. (laughs) Sorry, folks. But and then we're talking about doing one on Friday the thirteenth of May. So yeah, we're just consolidating that at the moment. So yeah, check out uh, the Twitter feed, I guess, for that. Yeah, wildlife. So you're gonna sing an a cappella song. Yeah. For us, what are you wanting to sing? Um, it's a song called "The Day That Mayor Darren Died," and um, it's from this EP that we just have coming out. with the mini-album, Wide Majestica.
1: Well, my sweetheart lives in Glasgow where the horizon line is wide There we donned arm in arm Down resplendent Kelvin's side Till the river runs to sea And the sea it runs and hides On the day that Mayor Darren died Well, my friend, the lonesome soldier He paid the psychic price He believed that self-immolation Was the key to paradise They found him on his bathroom floor With a white flag and a knife On the day that Mayor Darren died Well, the artist, she saw the mechanism for his unifying plan But she had no paint or paper So she scratched it in the sand You could see it from the harbour As the tide came rolling in On the day that May Adairn died Now I wish I was in London town Carousing with my lass For it's there I find infinity At the bottom of a glass Yes, the central line alone's enough To inspire a thousand poems And the marble arch one day will be a song of mine.
0: Thank you to my guest today, Alex Nielsen, and thank you to you for listening. You can hear new episodes of Verse, Chorus, Verse on the first Monday of every month. Sorry, Garfield. So until then, there's nothing more to say, so I'm going to stop talking. Verse course verse is a production for the Hat on Dog network. For more information visit hatondog.com.